Truth Espresso, episode 189. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, friends, family, foes, and lurkers alike. I wish there's a word that meant lurkers that starred with an F, because that would be really cool. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, and my sweet, beautiful co-host and wife, Chelsea. We are going to uh, continue what we did last week in talking about some encouraging names of Jesus. It's nice to take a little break from the craziness in the news going on. We like to address the news and give a good biblical understanding of things, but it's nice to just dig deep into the Word of God and just appreciate who our Savior is. And So, are you ready to talk about some names of Jesus with me? sweetheart yes this will be great do you want to start with a name (laughs) (laughs) i think we both have about three names here and yeah well the first name that i was thinking of starting off with is i mean you could take it either as a positive name or as a negative name depending on how you perceive it (laughs) which side which side you're on on. yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so that is when jesus is called our judge oh yeah and we see in second timothy chapter 4 verse 8 it says henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all of them also that love his appearing. Mm-hmm. I think that this verse is cool too because he's not just called our judge, mm, yeah. but he's called our righteous judge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and for a Christian, having someone that's called your righteous judge that can give you comfort because you know that, like we mentioned last time about Jesus being our advocate, mm, he is yeah. the one that is presenting us holy and without blame before God. And if you're not a Christian, then Jesus as your judge can be more fearful. And that is to just help you understand where you're at as far as knowing Christ as your Savior and accepting his sacrifice on the cross. And I think that just the verse that came to mind about thinking of God and I guess Jesus' judgment also, but Romans 6.23 um, (laughs) For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I think that in that righteous judgment, when you're in sin, and earlier in Romans, it tells us that we are all sinners. Mm -hmm. And the punishment for that, being a righteous judge, God would punish all of us for our sin. And that punishment is death, and not just physical death, but that eternal separation. Mm-hmm. But when Jesus came and paid, he was the supplement for us. He yeah, was the, the sacrifice. The substitute, The yeah. substitute for our payment. Then we, all we have to do is accept that gift that he gave us. Accept that he was the one that took our place on that cross. And he took our place for that eternal separation from God. 
And I think that that's where it's such a huge thing for us Christians to think about like, wow, we were condemned to death, like eternal death. Mm-hmm. But here Christ humbled himself and gave of himself to take that place from us, to take that punishment from us. And then why do we as Christians feel like we are not compelled or we're ashamed or we're fearful to share that good news with people around us? Because otherwise they're going to be facing God as their judge on the side of facing eternal death, eternal separation. (laughs) And I think that, again, like this name was just really cool and powerful, but also it can be an encouragement, but a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first name I thought of. (laughs) Yeah, because it's interesting based on what side you're on as to whether you appreciate a righteous judge or not, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it definitely seems like in this world where there's so much confusion, so much understanding of things is just nothing but systems and power struggles. And basically, you know, people seem to have this moral idea that morality is just whether what they think the team that they're on, the ideas that they have should be able to get the power and beat the others. And sometimes it's like, (laughs) look at, oh, this person got, you know, partial treatment, you know, but it advantages my side. So rub hands together. That's the way things work. And if the same thing for the same reason happened to someone on my team, uh, you know, then I would be outraged and saying it's, it's immoral, you know, like people who don't hold to an absolute standard of justice have much to fear and detest about a righteous judge, the ultimate, you know, as Abraham says, the judge of all the earth shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And, you know, it reminds me of Peter when he says, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but the one who does righteousness and so on, like, Okay, you know, there is one truth, and we can know that truth, and if you believe the gospel and you're a child of God, you can look at God as your righteous judge and shout, yes! (laughs) But if you're the world and you consider God the enemy or the absolute truth of God the enemy, then it's like you don't want justice, you want some kind of loophole. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) I think it's nice and comforting also knowing that because God can see our heart, Mm. he can see our intentions, whereas as people, we cannot see (laughs) intentions or another person's heart. And Mm. so, I mean, sometimes that can put you at a disadvantage, but I mean, not that you ever want to assume someone's intentions necessarily either. (laughs) I just think that I know this doesn't really have to do with judging right, but it just kind of popped in my head too. (laughs) When it says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart or like on the inside. (laughs) I just think of like, okay, it's easy for us to judge people based on just what we see Mm. because that's pretty much all we can do but god he sees at a deeper level and that's what helps him be able to execute that righteous Mm. judgment yeah and i think that can be kind of comforting because (laughs) sometimes you're like oh i didn't mean to say that that way Mm. (laughs) yeah it's like okay thank you god that you could see my heart in that (laughs) because 
Yeah. I think that <laughs> can be the challenging part yeah. as well. God knows that you meant right in that situation, even if someone didn't understand it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the knowing the hearts, and I was, I didn't write these down, but I know it was in Ecclesiastes 12, right at the end of Ecclesiastes, where the preacher Solomon there says that, you know, for God shall bring, you know, into judgment, you know, every man's work, you know, whether it's secret or not, you know, something yeah. like that. And then we see Jesus in John chapter 5 talking about how the Father judges no one but committed all judgment to the Son. You know, the mm-hmm. one who stands among them being sent by the Father, bring the message of the Father saying, the Father has committed all judgment to me, you know, and every secret thing is revealed and stuff. And Jesus is the one judging it all. And the one who is our sacrifice and savior is the one who judges everything, whether openly or secretly. <laughs> no one will get away with anything. No one who was righteous, who's, who was oppressed, you know, according to the gospel, will be oppressed under the true righteousness of God. <laughs> And that's definitely comforting for those who love the truth. <laughs> so what name did you want to bring up first? <laughs> okay, so the first name that I have in my notes here is Word of God. <laughs> nice. And this one is uh, one of those multifaceted ones. So I have several verses about this that shows that. Just like the last episode I mentioned, the lamb was multifaceted. (laughs) And so the word of God seems to communicate of Jesus. This is how God reveals the divine plan and message to us. (laughs) So look to Jesus. This is how God has revealed himself. This is the word of God. And so, yeah, we know in John 1, 1, where we have in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, showing that Jesus is divine there as being the word of God. Also, verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So just as God says, let there be light, the same word of God that creates things. Well, Jesus is the word of God, and Jesus is the creator, as we see in Colossians 1.16. But yet, John 1.14, now it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word has the power to create, and Jesus is that word, and Jesus created. But now we see the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us in the man Jesus Christ, the God-man there. John also wrote in 1 John 1, 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. So it's like the very word of God that we actually saw and touched. That's a nice way to marvel at the opening of a letter that you're writing to people saying, I was one of those who saw and touched the living word of God. (laughs) So the word creates, the word becomes flesh. Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And then the final verse is, this is really cool, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the final place where you see the word of God mentioned. Revelation, Revelation has a lot of <laughs> cool stuff about Jesus. 
So Revelation 19, 13, referring to Jesus, it says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. <laughs> oh, that's kind of like, you know, pretty interesting. Like, okay, so somehow the Word of God has something to do with wearing some clothing that's covered in blood. <laughs> like, okay, so yeah, the Word of God creates the word of god is manifested in the flesh and the word of god both is a sacrifice and can make war at the end of time and <laughs> and make all things new <laughs> so yeah i think that's pretty cool where the word of god jesus as the living incarnate word of god the second person of the trinity reveals to us <laughs> you know god's very word <laughs> Those are cool passages because those are, I think some of those passages where you can easily just glance over them, but yeah. just to think of the depth of what that's actually telling us, like, mm. okay, the word became flesh, like <laughs> he poured out of himself, like he was humbled and became <laughs> flesh and like you said, dwelt among us and he did that because he loved us so much and mm. I think that can be really powerful to <laughs> think about some of these names too and just reflect on it a little bit more more <laughs> yeah what about when the bible talks about the living word oh, is what yeah. i'm thinking of <laughs> is that different and of course some passages when it's referring to the word of god it will be the recorded word of god like mm -hmm. you know the scriptures or the promise of god the grass withers the flower fades away but the word of god endures forever and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you and the word of God in Hebrews, the word of God is quick or alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, like, mm. so the recorded word of God, what we recognize God speaking, theonoustos, how we determine truth, search the scriptures for they testify of me that you think, you know, they have eternal life. Even as Paul told Timothy, you know, the scriptures that you have, salvation is in there, you know. I think it's kind of cool to think of, like you said, the different aspects of that term. Yeah. And, okay, we can see God evidenced through creation because he's yeah. the creator. We can see God, people physically saw him because he became flesh. Yeah. And we can read and know who God is through his written word. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately we'll see him as the king who is not clothed in bloody garments <laughs> at the end but he will be the king of all i mean he is the king of all kings but he will be clothed in a white robe at the end right <laughs> yeah okay. and i think it shows how powerful he is like yeah at mm -hmm. the end there where you think <laughs> yeah i think i mentioned kind of like last episode about like you'd think that a better term would be you know like riding on the white horse and stuff mm -hmm. but here it's like he has a vesture dipped in blood like it sounds like he's like the conqueror you know so mm -hmm. and he has a name written and it is <laughs> you know like the mighty warrior no it's the word of god <laughs> like like uh it might seem like a downer there or like uh come on can we do better than that something more powerful or mighty but this is the ultimate power here because it's like what i have written or what I, you know it is written as jesus said what is written shall he bring to pass 
God-inspired. We wrote about this, and I am carrying it out. I am the living word of God. I shall conquer. The scriptures have said, the saints shall reign forever. (laughs) Well, just think how powerful the word of God is. Like you said, he spoke Mm. and things like there was light. There was water moving upon the face of the earth. Like Mm -hmm. just from a word, this amazing, like (laughs) mind blowing, (laughs) detailed (laughs) world that we see that God spoke into existence. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, his word is powerful. So Mm. I think that, yeah, yeah, like you said, kind of first reading (laughs) that you're like, um, (laughs) that's a powerful name but it is when you think about it yeah because it's like we might gloss over word of god and diminish it a little but not realize um this is the ultimate here you know mighty warrior that's just a very specialized limited type of term but the word of god is just like eternal powerful creative Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. What's your uh, next name for Jesus, sweetheart? (laughs) So the next name I think I'll bring up is one... I was trying to decide between two, but I think I'm going to go with this one. So it's a little more implied by the words, but it's referring to Jesus as our protector. (laughs) And you can see this in a few different passages, even in the Old Testament, where God is like our refuge. (laughs) So Psalm 18, 2. So it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom will I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I was looking up the Greek word for the next Bible reference here. So Second Thessalonians 3 verse 3, um, the King James says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. <laughs> so the Greek word for keep in that verse is called philoso. Hopefully I'm saying that right. <laughs> But it has the understanding of to watch or be on guard, mm. to keep. Like a sentry of a, yeah, like a keep. <laughs> yeah. So I think that this is just a cool way to think of like how God protects us. And it's not that we'll never get hurt mm. or have trials or things that challenge us. And because then we would never grow and God doesn't want us to just be in this big bubble and (laughs) nothing happens to us and we wouldn't learn, you know, what faith is. We wouldn't learn how to trust. But I think that when you think of the good shepherd and how he Mm. cares for his sheep and he takes care of them, he protects them. It's like, okay, he wants to help you. He wants to guard you. He wants to keep you safe. 
Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the evil one, when you're saved and you're sealed with the Holy Spirit for eternity, the evil one cannot take that from you. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like, okay, ultimately, you know, eternally, you are sealed and you are God's. Mm-hmm. And then physically here on earth, because we do have evil, we have sin, that there isn't a way that you can be 100% protected <laughs> again. Yeah. But it's like, okay. God keeps giving us directions or insight through his scripture on if you follow these steps, then you can definitely reduce the risk of some of that. (laughs) Yeah, well said. So you are like, you know, thinking of the imagery of the shepherd and the sheep. The shepherd doesn't keep the sheep from getting dusty or the prickle bushes and stuff, but he will deliver them from it, protects them from ultimate demise from the enemies like the wolves and the lions and stuff like that. But a sheep might flip over, you know, on its back or get stuck in a thicket and be pulled out or a ditch, as we mentioned, (laughs) and hop into the ditch again (laughs) in the last episode. But the shepherd will, you know, see us through to the end. And yeah, you know, we have verses like Philippians 129, where it says that, you know, it has been granted to not only to believe on him, but to suffer for his sake. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trials, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. So that's an encouraging verse there. You know, we know we'll have trials, but be of good cheer because we have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. So what's your next word? My next name, and it kind of goes with the one I'll have after that, but we can split them. (laughs) So I have son of man. And this is actually from a number of occurrences in the Gospels. This seems to be Jesus's favorite title for himself. If he refers to himself as something other than by the name Jesus or something, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. And so I have some passages here, so we'll figure out, like, what does this really mean uh, for Jesus in particular to be called the Son of Man? So Ezekiel was called Son of Man because he was God's prophet, you know, Son of Man. This is like a passage that I kind of chuckle at as a kid when I read it, like, Son of Man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak it to the house of Israel, you know, and so I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll, you know, the idea of eating a scroll and stuff like that. But Ezekiel is called son of man. So this title of son of man, obviously, if you're a child of a human, you're a human, you know, you're the son of man, but it's not just that. It's kind of a reference to the fact that someone is human, but he's among humans and he's unique as a human. And so Ezekiel was unique because he was God's prophet at the time. So he's a son of man at the time. He's among the people, but he's the unique one. (laughs) So then Jesus refers to himself as the son of man a lot. So Luke 19.10, he says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so he's a unique person who has come and he's going to save people who are lost. Your typical child of a human living among them is not going to seek and save the lost like Jesus would as the Son of Man. Matthew 12, 8, 
Jesus says, for the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. (laughs) That's a pretty interesting. So why is someone who's referred to by title son of man, you know, what gives man the right to be Lord of the Sabbath? Because we know that God rested on the seventh day, God who created, and then he gave Sabbath to man to keep. (laughs) But Jesus referred to himself as the son of man says by virtue of being the son of man he's lord even of the sabbath day a creation ordinance there now this is where it's going to get really interesting with the term son of man because we have in daniel chapter 7 which seems to be like (laughs) daniel has visions and we learn about this figure who's called the son of man so daniel 7 verses 13 through 14 and then verse 27 he says I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, was referring to God, the Father, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. And verse 27, And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. And that word for serve there is a special word, both in the Hebrew and as it's translated in the Greek as latru, which is a word that otherwise is always only used for worshiping God. Mm. So there you have the vision of Messiah, who's called the Son of Man, and yet everyone on earth, ultimately, as the kingdom is given to him, everyone worships him. And then you have in the Gospels where Jesus is on trial and in Mark 14, 62 through 64, Jesus says, referring to who he is, he says, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need we any further witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. (laughs) So Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man, the figure that's prophesied in Daniel chapter 7, coming on the clouds of heaven, and you know, the Jews there, the chief priest, uh, got quite angry with that. He considered that blasphemy. And blasphemy is to appropriate to something other than God what belongs only to God. So it seems like this title of Son of Man is also a divine title. And so while Son of Man technically refers to someone who's human, it's referring to someone, in this case, someone who's human but also divine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The human who is also divine. (laughs) 
That's really neat that you can see glimpses of the Trinity through <laughs> a lot of these verses and just thinking about, I don't think I ever put the two together that when Jesus was proclaiming that he was the son of man and he'd be sitting on the right hmm. hand of the high power and that that was from Daniel. I don't know why I never made that connection, but <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, that makes sense why the Pharisees got so upset with that, the high priest, because they knew the book of Daniel. They knew the prophecies mm. there. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I know we talked. Really cool. Yeah. I know we, we talked about on our series on the trials and the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, where as Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was like a lamb led to the slaughter. He kept silence. And so before he said this, he wouldn't answer his accusers, you know, to their satisfaction. So he's kind of like, in some ways, like, okay, I'm going to let them build up their case against me in the way that I'm going to make sure it happens. And so he's silent, silent, silent. They're smacking, spitting on him, hitting him because he won't answer his accusers. And then finally, when they like, all right, are you the Christ or whatever? And then finally here, he lets it out. I am, and you will see the Son of Man mm -hmm. doing this divine action. He's the one who it was seen in the night visions. He's the ultimate who will rule over the whole earth and stuff, you know, and to think that. How can you claim that you're standing here in trial? We have the power to kill you. How dare you say that? Mm. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready for some trivia? <laughs> oh, you, you remembered in this one too. I <laughs> <Good did. laughs> Let's see how badly I can mess this one up. <laughs> oh, you'll probably do good. Okay, so it was actually a quiz that you can do online. <laughs> so I'll just do a few of them because there's 10 on here, but that would take a little bit. Okay, so first question. Mm. These all have to do with the names of Jesus. <laughs> So, in which book of the Bible is Jesus called the Alpha and Omega? Oh, Revelation. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Good yeah. job. And trying to remember the verses, was it Revelation 1-8, maybe, and 22-13? Maybe. Okay. Okay, you get extra bonuses <laughs> if you have that right. <laughs> okay. Um, question number two. And I can give you multiple choice <laughs> if you need it. In which book of the Bible does Jesus call himself light of the world? Um, let's see. Would that be John? Yes. <laughs> like, that seems like one of those, because uh, like, the gospel of John has a lot more of the I am sayings of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I got two out of two so far. Yeah, you <laughs> are doing a great job. <laughs> okay. In which book of the Bible does Jesus call himself friend of the sinners? Okay. <laughs> Not multiple choice? Hmm. Trying to think about it for a bit. Okay. Sure. Give me a, <laughs> a few choices. Okay. Is it Matthew, <laughs> Luke, <laughs> Mark, or John? Oh, I figured it was. Yeah, it's going to be one of the Gospels, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> friend of sinners. Um, I'll go with Luke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was Matthew. Oh, okay. <laughs> Somehow I got that one correct, but oh, okay. Nice. Let's try this one. I marked the wrong one, and I was like, oh, man. Okay, but in which book of the Bible is Jesus called Lion of the Tribe of Judah? Mm. <laughs> Acts? Oh, wait. I was trying to think if it was one of Paul's epistles. <laughs> okay, no. 
So if you think of um, <laughs> kind of like conquering and tribulation. And <laughs> Revelation. <laughs> like, that was good. I, mean, I was actually thinking of that, but I was thinking, okay, you know, maybe it's something other than Revelation. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll do one more. Okay. In which book of the Bible does Jesus call himself the good shepherd? Oh, John. John chapter 10, right? Good job. <laughs> I guess I know my John more than anything. <laughs> um, well, I only got seven out of 10, right? <laughs> the one I accidentally clicked on the wrong one, but the other two, I had no idea. I got three out of five there. <laughs> Good job. So yeah, fun little quiz. <laughs> oh, thanks for making the episode fun, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready for the last one? Last oh, yeah. Names? Okay. Bring them on. So the last one I was looking at is hope. Because <laughs> I think hope is the best word yeah. ever. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically in First Timothy 1 verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just love that Jesus is called our hope. And I mean, just kind of what we've been talking about during this episode, too, is that he's our hope because he brought salvation to mm. us. He's our hope because he protects us. Yeah. He's our hope because we know he is true and he is just. And mm. yeah. I, don't know, I think <laughs> hope kind of seems like the pinnacle of <laughs> who yeah. he is and brings just like peace in your heart as a Christian and comfort mm. when you're going through things. Oh, yeah. So I just think that hope is a great word to think of. Yeah, I was thinking about, yeah, of course, the Apostle Paul who wrote that and wrote that to Timothy, whom he calls his son, and, you know, kind of like someone who's going to carry on the message that he taught him, you know, when he was younger. And I know Paul wrote this during his two years and basically imprisoned in Rome there and think about all that Paul went through on the mission field there's missionary journeys and where he talks in 2 Corinthians about all the things that he endured for the sake of the ministry so like it kind of recaps his life there just to think of the word hope there Christ being our hope because like if Jesus wasn't Paul's hope there would be no reason for him to do all that he did, you know, just to endure, you know, get on a ship, suffer shipwreck, just go to all these areas. He was originally a wealthy member of the, you know, inner circle of the Pharisees there. He had a lot to lose, but he says he counts it as dung that he might win Christ. <laughs> you know, it's like if he didn't realize that, as he mentions, the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, everything about Christ, because when all is said and done, Christ is whom he will get to meet when he dies. He's between a rock and a hard place, you know, to be with those people or to depart and be with Christ. And so all of that, all that he went through, Christ is his hope, you know. I think another passage that is really amazing about <laughs> Jesus as our hope is Romans eight twenty four, mm. And it says, for we are saved by hope, mm. but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth why doth he yet hope for <laughs> so i think it's cool that like okay we're saved by hope yeah. jesus is our hope <laughs> and i mean that makes sense because we're saved by jesus christ 
And yeah. that hope is something that you don't see, mm-hmm. but that is an assurance. Like yeah. you know it because you are trusting God who you know is true. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. that verse is really cool. <laughs> Yeah, because that reminds me of Hebrews 11, 1, where it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then it says, by faith, we understand that the worlds are framed by the word of God. And so it's like, we see the evidence, we see the necessary truth. Even if we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes, hope is based on, well, I know this is true. The conditions that I'm experiencing now don't demonstrate it, but the endurance that we have because of that hope that God gives us, it's like, we can go through this. We're not nihilists. We're not trying to figure out, we're not materialists. We're not just trying to figure out how do I maximize my material experience before I poof out of existence? You know, it's like Mm -hmm. we are able to endure things that don't make sense to the world because we have the hope that the truth of God makes necessary and helps us to see that because this is true, we can have hope. We can go through unimaginable things, just like Paul did, (laughs) for the sake of what we get in the end to be with Christ. (laughs) Yeah. Castle Rock Women's Health is a pro-women and pro-life clinic and ministry serving women of all ages and backgrounds in the community of Castle Rock, Colorado and the surrounding areas. Castle Rock Women's Health offers well-women care, prenatal care, extended postpartum care, licensed clinical Christian counseling, fertility awareness, hormone therapy, childbirth classes, STI testing and treatment, ultrasounds, and even the abortion pill reversal. Castle Rock Women's Health uses your generosity to offer services at little to no cost for many women in situations where insurance is not available. But Castle Rock Women's Health needs your help. To serve women better in the community, Castle Rock Women's Health is looking to move into a new office. Please consider a charitable donation to help Castle Rock Women's Health offer life-affirming care and reach more women with the love of Jesus Christ by going to givesendgo.com forward slash CRWH. That's givesendgo.com forward slash CRWH and be a blessing to women in need. For more information about Castle Rock Women's Health, please visit our website at crwomenshealth.com. Thank you so much. So I'm excited to hear what your last name is. <laughs> My last name goes with the one I mentioned previous. So the last one I said was Son of Man. So what do you think the final one I'm going to bring up is? Um, Son of God. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so at first glance, you know, if you read Son of Man, it's like, oh, it just means you're a human descendant of a human. And Son of God would just seem to say, oh, well, this is referring to divinity. But, you know, I think that there's like both of these names refer to the God-man, but they have a certain emphasis where Son of Man is kind of like, here's the human who's also God, and Son of God is, well, here's the God who's also human. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I have some verses to try to uh, flesh that thought out there. So Matthew fourteen thirty three, 
and this is where Jesus calms the storm. And after he calmed the storm, uh, and it says, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Remember, they said, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And then they also worship him. So it's kind of like, this is more than a man. And yet the emphasis is that this is God down here as man, where Mm -hmm. son of man is like, this human is also higher than you think. And now son of God is like, well, here's God brought down low to man. (laughs) There are references to other things called son of god whatever adam was called the son of god angels were called sons of god in the old testament and israel is also called the son of god you know israel my son (laughs) my firstborn christians in the new testament also called sons of god or children of god but jesus is called the son of god in a unique way so we see in Matthew 4, 3, it says, When the tempter, or Satan, came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So we see Jesus going 40 days in the wilderness, struggling with hunger and heat and stuff. He's a man walking around in the desert. And Satan says, If you are the Son of God, change these rocks into bread. <laughs> Matthew 8:29 and behold they referring to demons here cried out saying what have we to do with thee Jesus thou son of god art thou come hither to torment us before the time so this Jesus who they refer to as the son of god they recognize he's the one who has the power and will exist to torment them at the end <laughs> punish them he has the right to punish fallen angels Matthew 14, 20, 33, Matthew 16, 16, this is actually Peter's confession. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. (laughs) You He's telling the man standing here face to face by a divine confession revealed by the father, you are the son of God. (laughs) And then Matthew twenty-seven forty, the Jews and the thieves on the cross mock Jesus, saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. <laughs> so if you're the Son of God, <laughs> you can just come down from this cross. The Roman method of execution, like, okay, you can just go down you know if you're the son of god this human who's nailed and bleeding on the cross well if you're the son of god you could just leave the cross <laughs> yeah and then finally romans 1 verse 4 where paul is declaring the gospel and he says referring to jesus he says and he was declared to be the son of god with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead And so Jesus' resurrection and ascension as a component of the gospel there, it declares him to be the Son of God with power. And so, yeah. 
that's the ultimate declaration of Jesus as the Son of God was his resurrection from the dead. <laughs> mm. Yes, that's a, an in-depth look there at how those who referred to Jesus as the Son of God, and I don't recall, I'd have to look it up, I was trying to search, but I don't remember Jesus referring to himself, what do you say that I, the Son of God, am? You know, um, is mostly something that someone else would refer to Jesus. Jesus would often refer to himself as the Son of Man. Man, you know, God come down here as a man, you know, to live among you and be the divine figure. But then son of God is like, well, here's this human who's also divine. And <laughs> yeah, so Jesus's works and words ultimately testified. And there were people, demons, disciples, <laughs> uh, Jews, thieves that ultimately even the centurion, truly this man was the son of God when the earthquake happened there. Yeah, they recognize that this is no ordinary man. This is, he's divine. He is unique. <laughs> yeah, thanks for bringing those names up. I think that is a good combination of <laughs> looking at it. And I liked how you talked about the differences between them, like how you're looking at it, the son of man, you think more of the humanly side of it. And then the son of God, you look at the Godhead side of it and how he is both and I think that that's really powerful to see that in those verses there and just think about that. <laughs> I'm glad you like those names, sweetheart. And thank you for bringing up the names and uh, that you brought, sweetheart. It's a good discussion, hope, protector, and son of man, son of God, word of God, and... And judge. And judge, yeah. <laughs> All good names and um, descriptions of Jesus. So, yeah, Jesus is, you know, we said before, he's a lot of things. And that's what makes him so special and gives us comfort. You know, he's not just one thing. He's everything that we need him to be. <laughs> mm. And we hope that this episode was once again an encouragement to you. If this is the first episode of Truth Espresso that you tune into, part two of a two-part series, well, we encourage you to listen to part one from last week and also listen to more, discover more episodes of Truth Espresso. We mentioned some that we talked about, a series on Jesus' trials and crucifixion resurrection that we know would be a blessing to you. Yeah, just binge listen to Truth Espresso and stay tuned and subscribe. Give us a good rating on your favorite podcast player if it takes ratings too. And stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso and God Bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.